April 2nd, 1513, Spanish explorer Juan Ponce de Leon first sights what is now Florida, and he has never once apologized for it. Welcome to The Revisionists, the show where three comics try to punch up history. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. And our guest tonight is one of my favorite comics in Denver or in anywhere, uh, the fabulous Adrian Mesa. Hello. Thank you, guys. Adrian, uh, you are a regular down at Downtown Comedy Works? Oh, yeah. Yeah? The best and club in the world. You also you run a, one of my favorite shows in town, uh, Three Course Comedy, it, which if you want to explain a little bit about that later. I do. Yeah. I will. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Teaser. I'm plugging a plug. Uh-huh. What the fuck am I doing? Oh, God. Well, if you're not familiar with the show, uh, what we do each episode, we talk about a topic from history. One host presents the true story. Another host presents the alternate, and the winning story becomes our accepted history going forward. Brian, what are the results of last week's episode? <laughs> and by last week, I mean the week before last week. It's uh, a bi-weekly Bi-weekly, show. fortnightly. Yeah. Last fortnight's episode was, uh, of course, the last of our Viking coverage with Greg Hutt. Mm. And the results were a victory for Greg's alternate history. Great. Uh, which established that the Battle of Stanford Bridge was really an effort to get Music and drugs united together at last. Yes, we have like sex, a Reese's we have peanut butter drugs, cup. We have rock and roll. Sex, when will it enter the equation? We don't know. But theoretically, sooner or later. <laughs> well, I think sex had been invented by that point. His history did not Debatable. say it hadn't been. Debatable. <laughs> you need to see your sources? <laughs> That's a gross way of referring to genitals. <laughs> We're also recording this a little earlier than usual. Yeah, so. we're not as drunk as and we I'm slightly more often are. But you're in luck, listener, because it's the start of a brand new segment of history here on the show. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about the people who made America great for the first time. <laughs> the participants in the American Revolution. Cue the fife. Cue the drum. <laughs> Cue the fife. Drop the fife. Drum. I don't have any drum in my headphones. Oh, no, that's Irish. <laughs> that's, uh, that's Irish. Sorry. It's, it's uh, St. Patrick's leftover. Happy Easter, guys. Happy Easter, of course. Uh, not to date this, because it'll be a little after Easter when this comes out. Yeah. We are blaspheming. Recording a podcast on Easter is, of course, forbidden in the Bible. Of course. So this week, I'll be presenting the alternate history. Uh, Zach, you'll be presenting the true story. Correct. Uh, we should say that our subject specifically... Oh, yes. With how the show works. ...is Benjamin Franklin. Oh, uh, Big Ben. The about- first American. Not, not true, I think. Well, that's, that's what he was called. Oh, really? Yeah, that's one oh. of his nicknames. Okay. The first cool. American? The first American. <laughs> All right. <laughs> to which any Native Americans replied, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Must have had other nicknames, though, I'm sure. Sure. Pick up some nicknames, being old Benny Franks. <laughs> Good old Greasy Knob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't his favorite. Yeah, not a fan of that one. <laughs> Silence Do Good and Good Old Greasy Knob, <laughs> I think was. Also, the Round Mount of Rebound, I think, was him. It's got a lot of aliases. Is, is. Uh, Benjamin Franklin's childhood, if I may say, was flat out whimsical, like a lighthearted Mark Twain story. <laughs> Because old Betty Franklin was born one of 17 children. Wow. Apologies. 
to his mother, who apparently <laughs> had 17 children in the 1700s, which was probably not pleasant. Point of order. Um, I don't think that's pleasant now, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, it was. But I don't think they had epidurals back then. No. Oh, man. Actually, it was two women. I got to come clean. <laughs> One of them died I, probably I gotta from. Come, I got to confess. I was Benjamin Franklin's other mother. <laughs> Finally, Golly I can geez. stop wearing the mask. Yeah, I assume the first woman died of too many births. Um, <laughs> well, no, they had to retire her after 10. Yeah. And he was born on a street called Milk Street in Boston, which is another adorable name for a place to be from. Boston. Yeah, Boston. <laughs> it was really cute when I saw Goodwill Hunting and everyone was like, oh, I'm from Boston, sir. <laughs> that's, I don't know if that's the accent. Mm, pretty sure it is. So he went to school briefly, but um, by 10, his formal education was essentially over. However, he was he read frequently, voraciously, and was a pretty gifted autodidact, self-taught fella. He had an older brother named James who started the first independent newspaper in the United States, uh, which was called the New England Current. And Benjamin took up an apprenticeship there. Uh, but was forbidden by his brother <laughs> from actually entering any of his own pieces into the newspaper. In a classic older brother move. <laughs> so, as, um, as a child from a whimsical fantasy all-American background would do, he created an, an alias, a pseudonym, to write in letters to the newspaper to get published to trick his older brother <laughs> under the name of Miss Silence Do Good. That's, that's some straight up Tom Sawyer shit right yeah, there. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's a trick and somebody into painting the fence kind of. <laughs> miss, he was a miss. So like, <laughs> it said that his brother was upset with him, but beyond yeah, yeah. that, when he learned about it. Silence Do Good. Yeah. But that's about all. That's the like most hastily chosen pseudonym. Yeah, right. Ever. <laughs> was just looking around in his study. Uh, uh, pencil McDesky desk. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that one. Plume. I like how he Powder looked around in his study for objects to name it after, and the first thing he came up with was the concept of silence <laughs> and the concept of doing good, <laughs> benevolence. <laughs> His brother James was sent to prison for several weeks for criticizing the governor because free speech was, as yet, not a thing. And after that incident, Benjamin quit the apprenticeship without the consent of his brother James, which technically made him a fugitive. <laughs> Whoa. That never came back to haunt him, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fuck. It was like, again, a whimsical kind of fugitive where, like, maybe one small town sheriff is like... Oh. Like George Rooney in Ferris Bueller trying to track him down. I'll just picture the cops from Blues Brothers where they're always seeing them go by. Yeah. It's like, now I'll get them. And then they... A 40 carriage pile up. Chasing <laughs> old Benjamin Franklin <laughs> down a dirt road. So uh, after that, he traveled between Philadelphia. He moved to Philadelphia and traveled between there and London for a, cert for a while. And courted a woman named Deborah Reed uh, at 17, but she was forbidden from marrying him because he was financially insecure at the time and was also going to London a lot. So she married another guy who s basically squandered her entire her entire dowry and ran off to Barbados. Mm. <laughs> Barbados. <laughs> And that was how they made the movie Captain Ron. <laughs> she Based on that. Oh, Deborah Reed. Only going for the fuck boys, I see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And she couldn't marry Franklin after that because there were bigamy laws. So they just got common law married and spent their life together anyways. Wow. That's kind of a nice little story. <laughs> love. He found love. He found love, yeah. Um, there's rumors that he was kind of a frequent adulterer, but I don't think there's much substantiating any of those rumors, to be honest with you. He did write a pamphlet, uh, a pamphlet that was never published at one point, just directed at a friend of his. That was advice on choosing a mistress. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. He also wrote another one called uh, Fart Proudly. Yeah. Which was about well, farting. He was one of the foremost <laughs> comic minds of his time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. He yeah, had, that's his stand-up album, Farts and Fucking. <laughs> at, age, at about 20, he wrote a list of 13 virtues that you're supposed to live by, and one of them was, well, relative chastity. <laughs> like, obviously, he had children. He claims that he lived his life through mod- moderation and, and, and relative chastity, so... It seems like he was kind of a square, to be honest with you. <laughs> but I don't know. It goes against the narrative that he might have been like a constant philanderer while he was in London and France. But who knows? Uh, lost to time, those facts. Um, no letters. There's no no letters they found. No, no wood etchings of him. <laughs> in Philadelphia, he's... Those, those sex woodcuts of him <laughs> that got released in Night Vision. He established the Philadelphia Gazette, which... Um, was one of the first newspapers in the area. He saw it as a means to inform and also morally instruct people. Mm-hmm. And he would constantly print satirical pieces in there, oftentimes criticizing not only the Penn family who founded Pennsylvania, who he was not a huge fan of, but also certain actions of the crown against the colonies. Mm-hmm. Um, Under his own name this time. Yeah, yeah. It was his newspaper, yeah, largely. Newspaper, yeah. And of course, um, other columns written by Soccer Ball McGuitar. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I went Irish with it again. <laughs> it's easier. It's the easiest way to construct a last name. Mm-hmm. Put Mick or O in front of it. Yeah. All right. So at this point, he has also established an intellectual science society called the Junto, which eventually became the first subscription library in Philadelphia. Or in the world, actually, as far as I'm aware. And at this point, the easiest thing to do is just list some accomplishments. Because this guy apparently did a lot of shit. A lot of hits. A lot of hits. Um, so, he invented the following things. The lightning rod, the glass Love harmonica, it. the Franklin stove, bifocal glasses, and the flexible catheter. Well, as oh, what an innovation. Yes. <laughs> just sticking a, a straight rod up your dick. Yes. The rigid <laughs> catheter was not cutting it. <laughs> Except it was cutting and shredding your urethra. Yes. God. It's practical. That's good. Yeah. Rigid catheter sounds like a metal band. <laughs> um, and to his credit, he actually never patented a single one of those ideas so that they could be dispersed more easily and cheaply among basically anybody who needed them. Just on Creative Commons. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, he also invented the concept of paying it forward. So you could thank Ben Affleck for that Haley Joel Osment movie. Ben Affleck. Uh, ben Affleck and Ben Franklin. I think uh, <laughs> both were involved in some capacity. Man, ben Affleck would make a terrible Ben Franklin. Batman vs. Superman just came out, guys. Ben Affleck's on everybody's lips this weekend. Ooh, delicious. <laughs> he also was involved in population studies, which he did with the famous Malthus, who had, uh, you know, the, the whole prediction about population collapse. Mm-hmm. He discovered the Gulf Stream in an effort to make more efficient, uh, basically, trade routes between countries. Really? Yeah. He invented and named the Gulf Stream. Uh, <laughs> he invented. 
Yeah. Not invented. He <laughs> discovered. It was originally called the Franklin Winds. Yeah. Yeah. He, and its its tagline was fart proudly. <laughs> um, ah, yes. The kite experiment may not have ever actually happened per se, but he did propose it in an essay and it was later done in France with a lightning rod. There's some argument that he did some version of it one day, but it's not really substantiated. He supported the wave theory of light. Very few people did at the time. Uh, he worked in meteorology and discovered that m- storms are not always dictated by winds in their movement. He used kites again. He was really into kites. Yeah, big kite guy. To carry boats and people across uh, short uh, distances of water. Uh, he invented the pro and con list. He was a musician. I, I saw that, but I, I have to take issue with the idea that he invented the pro and con list okay. because i feel like perhaps the first something... record recorded incidents of it okay maybe <laughs> i yeah. feel like that's something that had to have been done for centuries probably because right. yeah. it's the most obvious this is good this is bad people just made random decisions before that without being like well this could go shit i don't know <laughs> um yeah well maybe he, the he first was, he was the first to invent a line mm-hmm. yeah the mm-hmm. vertical line between it. the pros and cons a lot of people just had a jumble. Oh, and people okay. would get confused about which one was a pro and which one is yeah. a con because they'd just be mixed together. Yeah. Right, of course. So it was just, just that physical thing. Yeah. He was a gifted chess player. He started America's first volunteer firefighting company. He established the first new hospital in the United States. He restructured colleges to be career-focused. He created a new phonetic alphabet that discarded <laughs> C, J, Q, W, X, and Y, although that did not catch on. <laughs> Because they were not phonetically pleasing. Useful. Yeah. Um, and he replaced them with new letters. C, J, Q, X, and Y? Yeah. Mm. They are kind of troublesome letters. Yeah. Troublemakers. Yeah. <laughs> Little scamps. Little scamps, dude. <laughs> S-K-A-M-P-O. Uh, that's, but uh, what he's probably most remembered for is his work as a statesman. Um, he spent 20 years in London between 1750s and the 1770s. And he was actually the main voice for the interests of the American colonies during that time. Um, he spoke to the House of Lords, uh, which at the time was more powerful than the House of Commons, pretty frequently against the Stamp Act, against raising taxes as a result of the French and Indian War, which he argued America had already paid its fair share of. And although he was slightly later than a lot of the other founding fathers to fully commit to revolution by the time of the Declaration of Independence, which he helped revise, mm-hmm. he was fully on board with it and also back in America. There was a small rebellion in Pennsylvania based on these, basically a bunch of racists who hated the American Indians at the time. And he helped form a militia to fend off that rebellion and afterwards preached for tolerance towards native Indians, saying that if one Indian harms you, it is unfair to visit revenge upon the entire populace of Native Americans. Sensible. Yeah. Pretty progressive at the time, however, (laughs) unfortunately. You just hate all of them now. Yes. One Indian did you wrong. It's just, it's just that Indian you should take issue with. <laughs> That's a quote unquote. Everyone get Greg. That was a big direct <laughs> quote. <laughs> Although he didn't directly participate in the revolution, there is evidence that he did a lot of work for uniting the colonies under a single banner, basically kind of working as a PR man in a manner of speaking for the idea of, uh, a new America. The flavor flavor of unification. Correct. Yeah. He wore a large <laughs> clock around. His... Of course it was just an hourglass at yeah. the time. <laughs> yeah. He was quoted as saying, Ooh, damn. A lot. <laughs> yeah. I think that's on his headstone. Like after the declaration of independence was read aloud, Benjamin Franklin would show up every time and just be like, mm, son. <laughs> <laughs> right to, to Washington's Chuck D. Basically, yeah. he was the. 
And of course, when they fought the power, the power was onerous taxes. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the dumbest fucking... <laughs> it said that he was uh, involved in the counter-surveillance measure. Now, technology was not the greatest at that time, so I feel like that was mostly just like pointing at dudes and being like, hey... You're, you're British. Shut it out. <laughs> Get out of here. You shouldn't be here. <laughs> but I do not know for sure. Yeah, counter-espionage was moving like five feet out of earshot. Yeah. yeah, he was considered second only to George Washington as the face of the American Revolution and is the only founding father whose signature is on all four of the major documents of the time, the Declaration of Independence, the Alliance with France, the Treaty of Paris, which ended the war, and the United States Constitution, the only founding father whose name is on all four of those documents. During the war, he was also ambassador to France alongside Thomas Jefferson and John Adams, and he helped promote religious tolerance there, probably just for other sects of Christianity and not so much for broader religions, but it's something. Right, yeah. Um, I mean, this is, again, the 18th century. We have to take everything just with like, a, yeah, like, with a little bit of pretty like... pretty good for the time. Exactly. <laughs> right. Speaking of pretty good for the time... Uh, yes. <laughs> after the revolution, when he was already getting to be pretty old, uh, though he had had slaves his whole life, he had a change of heart and freed all of his slaves and became a proponent not only of abolition, but of integrating uh, African Americans into United States society. Which, uh, pretty radical at the time. Mm-hmm. Not many founding fathers actually actively advocated abolition. Uh, him, Hamilton, um, Adams to an extent. Yeah. Others Adams didn't really have slaves, slow, but I don't know how much. The slow decline he, of slavery. He got involved. And then you have Jefferson. Him. Yeah. Uh, cause fuck Jefferson. Well, we'll get there Coming maybe later. <laughs> eventually, though, he struggled with obesity, especially later in life which caused gout and eventually lung problems, which killed him. And uh, interestingly, when he died, he gave both Philadelphia and Boston, his two hometowns, $1,000 that were sealed in 1,000 pounds that were sealed in trusts for 200 years. And by the time they were opened in 1985, they were cumulatively, cumulatively worth more than seven million dollars so that's it uh, yeah you think it'd be a little more but it's still not bad seven million dollars i'm not gonna sneeze uh, at seven mil and i know one of the cities used the funds as loans for needy citizens and another use it for like funding a college i believe mm, i don't know yeah i feel like boston used it on a bitch in saint patty's day parade yeah classic <laughs> boston that's the worst that's the worst accent Oh, Boston. There we go. Got it. Um, that's the Cliff Notes version of Benjamin Franklin's life. He wow. apparently did a lot of shit. Yep. This is all before cable, of course. So. Yeah. Otherwise, he would have just binged Daredevil. Yeah. He, no, he would have invented and produced Daredevil, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and that is an exciting life, Zach. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does raise questions like, how could he do all these things? This is one man. Um, or he's a giant it? of the era, a scientist, philosopher, mm-hmm. a printer, inventor. Oh my god! Diplomat, statesman, revolutionary. So far, Brian, I'm loving this alternate history because mm-hmm. you've already teased that one, he might be a series of clones, or two, he might be a literal giant. <laughs> I should have done that. <laughs> um, or both. I would love both. But and a Godzilla-esque series of fights between <laughs> giant two giant Ben Franklins occurs. <laughs> Of course. And that's the real revolutionary war. <laughs> uh, Why don't no. I write the alternate history every week, guys? <laughs> he was none of those things. Benjamin Franklin was a robot built by Benjamin Franklin. Oh, my God. 
It's mm-hmm. totally like the totally electronic dad episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> was it? The one with uh, John Ritter. Yeah, but that doesn't answer the question. They made the guest star. Doesn't answer the yeah, question. Yeah, John Ritter made a yeah, robotic yeah, John, Ritter. John Ritter. <laughs> he made a robotic he version a role of, of a robot. Right, That's but the robot the was built by the original John Ritter. God damn it. Okay. We'll settle this later. Everybody go watch that episode of Buffy and come back, and you'll see that I'm right. Season 2, episode 6? I don't know. It's called Ted. Oh, wow. Nice. (laughs) Uh, The Flesh Ben Franklin was indeed a printer from who grew up in Boston, moved to Philadelphia, and he was a great polymath. He moved in his teens, but he soon found himself overwhelmed between his work as a printer and his science and his constant fucking. So he took to his lab, studied robotics... And over the course of time, he built a robot out of leather and steel and steam, and he named it Benjamin Franklin. Sure. The steam is the soul, I think. No, the steam, the steam is the soul. Uh, he built it to run on syphilis, which was the most abundant resource at the time. Oh, sure. Um, he programmed the Ben Franklin 1000, which is what he called it. It didn't get really good until the Ben Franklin T2000, I think. Yeah. <laughs> which was made of liquid metal, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yes, it was, actually. <laughs> um... I thought the T-1000 was the one that was made of Listen, maybe I got the numbers wrong because I'm not a complete fucking nerd. <laughs> Spends all day watching goddamn Terminator 2. Touche. Uh, he programmed to study all sorts of fields. Demography, meteorology, oceanography, electricity, journalism. You know, all these different things. Which, again, freed the flesh Ben Franklin for important sexual matters. Mm-hmm. So he just had a hedonistic lifestyle. Erotic studies. Uh-huh. Yeah. Listen, if you're well-versed in all these fields, you you get to retire and fuck no, for the Or if you build life. a perfect robotic replica of yourself who yeah. can take care of your day-to-day tasks. Yeah, exactly. Crucially, though, he also programmed the B-1000 to have a keen sense of justice and always be improving itself. Uh, this led it to found the Pennsylvania Abolitionist Society oh. almost immediately after wow. it was created. So it's like, it was actually artificially intelligent. In a way, yes. Yeah, like that Microsoft Twitter account that became racist oh, after a God, day. so fucking funny. <laughs> Fortunately, it did not go down that dark path, it seems. If, if you ever needed proof that the internet is the worst place, that just in an instant... Where a Twitter bot becomes racist in an hour. And becomes a Nazi within 24 hours. However, it did have one great tweet where it denied that Ted Cruz was the Zodiac killer, quote, because he would never be content ruining just five lives. (laughs) (laughs) So the B-1000 continued Flesh Franklin studies. His most famous is, of course... We can call him Fleshlin, right? Yeah, Ben Fleshlin. Yeah. His most famous experiment is, of course... The electricity, the proof that lightning is electrical and shit, uh, with the kite and the key and all that. That lightning is electrical and shit. I think that was the thesis statement. I'm here to prove that lightning is electrical and shit. (laughs) It's electrical as balls. Ben Franklin puts his signature. He was from Boston. (laughs) (laughs) Wicked electrical. Damn it. (laughs) I was swallowing my beer, so I didn't have a chance to say it. But being a robot, he was, of course, not harmed by the electricity he fed off it it's like blow to robots sure. mm-hmm. and any humans that tried to imitate it were immediately electrocuted uh which led the colonies to outlaw electricity for about 100 years sure his ability to pass as human was so impressive i'm gonna have to ask you this here he passes as human okay mm-hmm. 
is this synthetic flesh or is he wearing real flesh on the outside of his exo robotic exoskeleton? Uh, it's mostly painted leather. Yeah, he said leather. Okay. People were far more gullible back then. Okay. Yeah. And they looked more like leather, just in <laughs> yeah. general. Yeah, leathery. I mean, it was no, a hard life. life. Yeah, exactly. They were windblown, rugged frontiersmen. Right. Mm -hmm. He managed to infiltrate the secret anti-robot organization called the Freemasons. Sure. And he became a lifelong member. But yeah, I neglected to say in my real history, yeah, he was a Freemason. Mm -hmm. As were many of the many of the uh, founding fathers. Yes. One of the discoveries attributed to Ben Franklin, which you did not mention, was his development of a cooling system, evaporative cooling, mm. which it said he discovered one day when he was wearing a wet shirt. Yeah. Uh, which is a that's probably fl Flesh Franklin, honestly, walking around that in a wet t-shirt. I an aside. It was spring break, spring, 1771. Spring break, Philadelphia. The account I read was he noticed he was cooler one day while wearing a wet shirt than yeah. when he was wearing a dry one, which shows how easy it was to invent shit <laughs> in the 1700s. Discoveries were pretty brilliant, pretty easy. He also invented punching and in getting punched in the dick hurts a lot. <laughs> yeah, that was the title of his paper. It's a discovery. It's not an invention, but eventually. He becomes the colony's most beloved ever postmaster. Mm -hmm. Because of this, after after the British Crown passes the Stamp Act, he's sent to England to lobby for the colonies uh, against the onerous taxes. So they send him to Europe, which has vast stores of syphilis, and this sends him into overdrive. Sure. Basically. He becomes more and more involved in radical politics over time. He begins, begins to study counter-espionage. In 1774, he... And this is one of the things that causes him to make the final jump to being a full-on revolutionary. Uh, robot Ben Franklin sees a letter from uh, Thomas Hutchinson, governor of Massachusetts, asking the king to get more violent with the protesters in the colonies, mm. puts it in his secret central compartment, takes it back to the colonies and publishes it in the Pennsylvania Gazette. That leads him to being banned from England. Just a quick question, uh, just to clarify something. Uh, at this point, how is the ghoul problem in Europe? Mm, that's a good question. We have established in previous episodes that at some uh, point, Europe had a, and England in particular yeah, had a ghoul problem. Huge ghoul problem. <laughs> you mean there's, there's ghouls everywhere? Everyone was a ghoul? Yeah, a ghoul. Oh. Like little ghouls. You know what ghouls are. Yeah. You couldn't swing a dead cat ghouls. without hitting a ghoul. Ghouls. <laughs> you know, ghouls. Bastard. Have <laughs> yeah, Chowder. Ghouls. <laughs> the ghouls. Okay. Yeah. Flesh-rending ghouls. There's also a lot yeah. of liquor man cultists. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so at this point in England... The ghouls never entirely go away, but English history has shown us they have a tendency to absorb other cultures and integrate them pretty sure, well. Sure. The Vikings, the Normans, the Anglo-Saxons, the ghouls. But the scales have really shifted from ghoul problem to syphilis problem. Yeah, basically. Okay. It's, it's, syphilis was originally called genital ghouls, mm. so that was the dumbest joke I've ever made. Well, if your history wins, it's canon. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's just more reason to vote for it. So he goes back and he takes part in the Continental Congress. Uh, he's part of the committee which drafted the Declaration of Independence. When they were all signing it, uh, one of the other dudes said something like, we shall all hang for this. I think it was Hancock. Hancock, maybe. No, some, some dude. And he's famous for quoting, we must all hang together or we will all surely hang separately. That was, of course, with his knowledge that he was a robot and cannot die by strangulation. It was kind of a subtle dig oh, at the rest sure. of the, wow. the flesh founding fathers. He also invented the slang term hang. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you, okay. hang, you hanging with Ben or not? 
<laughs> that was his that talk show. Had much darker implications at the that time. That was his morning talk show. Also, he invented television just to play <laughs> hanging with Ben. <laughs> During the war, he served as ambassador to France, where his sharp machine-like wit and knowledge of syphilis won over the royal family sure. and uh, secured their alliance, which helped win the war essentially, because the war would probably not have been won without French naval power. Mm. Um, or it would have been won, possibly, but it would have taken God knows how much longer. And after the war, he's, like you said, as celebrated as George Washington. Uh, but he's growing old, and his parts are wearing down. No matter how much he tries to reinvent himself and improve himself, yeah. he can't fight entropy. None of us can. We're all gonna die. At one point... At Just the- a quick reminder from the revisionists. <laughs> we're all gonna die. That's the one part of history we can't change. <laughs> Except for the, for some of the people who we did change that for. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Cleopatra, uh, I think Rasputin is partially immortal. Mm, yeah. And any time you write a song about someone before the magic went out of the world, they become immortal. Correct, yeah. So, so there's probably a lot of people. Yeah. Um, little exceptions. The exceptions that prove the rule. Right, of course. <laughs> um, at one point at the Constitu- Constitutional Convention, he has a full-on breakdown and sparks are, you know, shooting from his faceplate. Oh, is this where July 4th comes from? <laughs> uh-huh. uh, no, they had already... That was the Declaration of Independence. This is the Constitutional Convention. It could have been the same day. <laughs> Coincidentally, on July 4th. Uh, smoke shoots from his faceplate. Sparks are coming out everywhere. Uh, but all the other conventioners just mistake it for gout. And that's how that rumor got started. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. All the classic <laughs> symptoms of gout. Sparks. <laughs> Smoke coming from your faceplate. Inflammation. So he knew the time was coming for his final improvement to himself, his final upgrade, mm. as it were. So he takes himself down to his basement laboratory, and he turns himself into uh, a rocket. The first rocket uh, ever. You know, ballooning had been invented at this point, but rocketry was a yeah. new science. Famously, Benjamin Franklin was there for the first air balloon uh, hydrogen air balloon liftoff. So maybe that's where he got the idea. That's true. Yeah. He, I believe he got to ride in the first balloon. Yeah. No, a ballsy move though. If this, if, if, if they just were like, Hey, we got this new thing. I don't know that I'd be first in line to be like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. It's no, got witches right. inside or something. We don't even know. Mm-hmm. He turns himself into a rocket and becomes the first satellite in space. Oh. Dedicated to the study of butts from the atmosphere. So, I mean, he's not, not, this is not Sputnik. No, it's Butnik. Oh. <laughs> I didn't even... <laughs> uh-huh. Sorry, you teed that one up for me. I had to... Okay. I had to take it. Put it on Great. board. And uh, that's the true story of Benjamin Franklin. Wow. Could I ask what happened to Fleshlin? Died of syphilis. Sure, okay. Right. <laughs> the most abundant resource at the time. <laughs> one, would, one would give energy to one and the other one killed him. Exactly. It's like the portrait of Dorian Gray. I see. I see. It. Where the... The flesh version is the one that gets worse. <laughs> it's kind of like the portrait of Dorian Gray. Okay. It's similar in some ways. Yeah, except how real portraits work, <laughs> where the human being is the one who decays and the portrait stays relatively the same. <laughs> Touche. So just a portrait. <laughs> a robot also. Mm. Uh, motion. So, <laughs> so he's a robot that turned into a rocket mm-hmm. and now he's a satellite. A robot that turned into a hero that turned into a rocket oh, a that is now a, a satellite that is, could come crashing down at any moment. Oh, he's still up there. As far as we know. Okay. Well, satellites, after like a few decades, kind of just get into the atmosphere and burn up. But... Yeah, but this is Ben Franklin we're talking about. Sure. 
the the first American or whatever. Yeah, it's made of wood mostly. So yeah, I mean, wood is a more durable material, obviously. In space, definitely wood and leather, and wood steam. and leather and steam <laughs> and syphilis. Yeah. Yep. The micro <laughs> microorganisms. <laughs> So, Adrian, you're serving as judge for this episode. So, this, what we this is tough. This is a tough one. Mm-hmm. What we typically do mm-hmm. is you'll cast a vote on air, then we'll throw it to the listeners mm-hmm. for their vote. But uh, consider carefully, okay, if you want, or just make a wild judgment. As much as I, as much as I think that it, this Ben Franklin is amazing and you know did so many things in reality, I. I think I think the rocket thing is 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 my I like the automaton the robot the robot track Ben because it's more believable to robot me. Robot track, yeah, <laughs> it's more it's believable. More believable. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I mean, why? How did he not do that? Of course, he did that. He did everything else. It's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah, or maybe there was like multiple robots, like a Voltron force. There was like five Ben Franklin's lions together. Then they formed together, and then they went to space. Defender of the universe. I mean, I'll, so many I'll, jobs. I'll adopt that yeah. into the alternate the, history. The, the it's not just be one robot. I think, yeah, one was in France. One was chasing uh, Debbie. Debbie. Uh, D- Deborah Reeds. Deborah Reed. Oh, I'm Debbie, Debbie Reeds. Yeah. yeah. One probably came back later to chase Debbie Reynolds. Yeah. Because again, this robot was a pretty big horn dog. Mm-hmm. It was powered by syphilis. <laughs> yep. Which famously makes you more horny <laughs> instead of rotting your genitals. <laughs> right. It only just, you know, emboldens them. <laughs> so. Hey, there's a niche for everything. Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, uh, listeners. decide on the robot. Listeners, you can cast your vote at revisionistpodcast.com using the contact form. Uh, while you're there, you can also leave us a comment, ask us a question, suggest a topic. While you're on your computer box thing. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter or on Facebook and review us on iTunes, which is very helpful. I, I had it going until the very end there. Not really. You started with, I don't know what a computer's called. No, that's true. <laughs> In my head, I was on a roll, though. It's potty a charm. I had my own Keep internal it. momentum. <laughs> uh, before we go, Adrian, again, three course comedy. Yes, sir. That's every month. It's every month. Last Wednesday. Last Wednesday. Every month at Deer Pile, which is the live show. And we record that live show, which is, a, I guess I didn't explain to you guys, uh, for your listeners. Three Course Comedy is, is a show about food. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> done. Done in food. one. Food. No, right, uh, you get three comedians that come up. One's an appetizer, a main course, and a dessert, hence the three courses. And they do only food comedy, so they only do food-related material, and, and we do a little interview and uh, some food trivia. So it's a celebration of gastronomy and frivolity. And the comics bring a dish also. That was well, everybody brings a dish, yeah. I yeah, I like when, when they when they bring something. We all share a little potluck action. And every month is a theme. And I'll tell you, last month's theme was uh, Cajun foods. Mm. And I'll tell you what, I made a big old pot of gumbo. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, toys. Uh, it's almost an accent. Gumbo. Ooh, but hey, there we go. Allah. Closer. We're tuning in the accent. Jambalaya. <laughs> nope. Too far. Too sharp. Too sharp. Tweak it. Tweak it. Come on down to the bay. We get you some gumbo. Ooh, them big gumbo there. But uh, yeah, check that out on iTunes as well. Three Course Comedy and uh, Sex Pot Comedy. Stitcher. Other things like that. Check it out. Listen to it. <laughs> yeah. We really need to start with the accent work. Well, Adrian's Cuban, so I I'm an accent man, so yeah. accent specialist. Yes, uh, Zach, you of course co-host Stage of Fools podcast, 
with our yeah. friend Shannon Camp. Absolutely. Who probably will be our guest for the Hamilton episode. It's very possible. As for me, May 4th, I will be at the Denver Improv in the semifinals of their stand-up showdown. So come check that out if you're in the area. Good luck, man. Oh, thank you. Kick ass. It's a way brutal lineup for the night I'm on. Bro. There's a lot of great people. Though. Anywhere, anywhere in Denver, show. man. You go yeah. up, we go up against some real funny people. But I see the hour is growing late. I don't know how to segue to ending this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'd just be like, oh, well, that's going to do it for revisionists. Oh, yeah, I could try that. We'll see you in a fortnight. So say goodbye. To the revisionists. Yeah. I'm going to use that for our outro song. <laughs> yep. Every week. <laughs> I'm, I'm isolating so that audio. So hard to say goodbye. So hard to say goodbye. Uh, Got to do the hands. That's... We write history so we don't have to say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty solid. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. Have a good day. Night. Whenever. I don't know. It's a podcast. Yeah.